Well, good morning, everybody from all over the world. We're grateful that you are with us. It is a beautiful, well, I should say a drizzly day, but a beautiful day of grace as we're getting ready to enter into November, which in the church is the month to receive many plenary indulgences and graces for not only ourselves, but especially the holy souls. And as you saw on the topic that we're showing today is plenary indulgences I believe the most misunderstood of all church teaching, and that says a lot, but let us, uh, let us raise our mind, and we're grateful that you're here, and we're going to show you all about the different indulgences that are offered by the church, what they are, and why they have them. So let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we approach the month of November, the month to remember our faithful departed, let us and them be cleansed of the punishment of sin, and let us offer to you our indulgences so that you may release these loved ones of ours from any um, punishment uh, or loving discipline that they may incur. Mother Mary, we ask that you bring them relief and you give us the grace to be able to help them. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So again, thank you. I'm Father Chris Alar, one of the Miriam priests here at the Shrine of Divine Mercy. And we have been continuing doing these talks. And this is one of the topics, that, and I've said it about a couple others, but the one I think seminary misses the most. We only spent a couple days on this in my entire seminary education, both in the philosophy uh, of study of man and metaphysics, as well as the study of theology. And so I'm grateful I got some help from Chris Sparks, one of our theologians, on getting some of the data. He kind of threw me a massive amount of data, and I've been sifting through it the last few days. Went back to my seminary notes, but wow, if there's anybody here who was watching that is part of seminary education, let's get this back in the seminaries because this is a real grace and it's infallibly taught. This is not an option. We as Catholics have to believe in the need to pray for the dead and giving them suffrages and um, help. And so this is part of our teaching and infallibly taught. So this is not just some optional thing. Let's pay attention. So you, you can be picked by God. In fact, the very fact that you're here watching with us today means God has you here for a reason. That means somebody that you've met in your life, somebody that you love, somebody that you're related to is in need of prayer. I can promise you that or you wouldn't, God would not have arranged it for you to either be here physically or to be watching over the live stream, even if it's weeks later. So God bless you. Now, the Jews believed that it was holy, quote, this is 2 Maccabees 12:46, that it was a holy and wholesome thought to pray for the dead that they may be loosed from their sins. Now remember, book of Maccabees, Catholics didn't add that book. Martin Luther took it out. This has been part of the uh, teaching of the Bible since the very beginning when it was canonized. And so praying for the dead has a basis in Judaism. And Catholicism is a fulfillment of Judaism. That's in Galatians 6, verse 15, 16. 
And so in that fulfillment of the Jewish faith, we have our Christian faith. And from the beginning, the church has honored the memory of the dead by offering prayers and penances in, in what we call suffrages for them so that they can be purified and help them. In, in, it's kind of like a, in the battlefield. If you go out in the battlefield, my dad was in Vietnam and Da Nang and, and Da Nang and and, and you just, you didn't do it alone. One of the biggest misconceptions is it's just about me and Jesus. No, it's about me and Jesus and all of you. We are all part of the body of Christ and Christ wants us to aid in the assistance of others getting to heaven. Paul talks about this in scripture. Pray for me, I'll pray for you, pray for each other. So this is needed, okay? Now, praying for the dead is actually a, one of the seven spiritual works of mercy. Why? Okay. You know why mostly? This is interesting. Because the debt that a lot of those people have to pay now are because of us. I think of my grandma, my gr both grandmas, both grandpas. You've heard me talk maybe in my homilies about my very best friends. Three of my absolute best friends, Steve Middleton, Nick Rafko, and Bob Brandt, have died. And I think, whoa, all the times I was with them, the conversations, the going out on double dates, I'm probably the reason that they're having to pay some of their suffering now. And so it's very important for me because through no, well, I should say through sometimes our own fault in our company, we need to help them. So it's to us that they turn for help. That's why we are called the church militant. The church suffering is in purgatory. The church triumphant is in heaven. And we are the church militant, all right? This is why we are called to help, to help them. We are called to help them. All right, let's look at our next slide. If Brother Mark can show this, one of the ways to help them more than any is plenary indulgences. This is the way. This can be for ourselves or a holy soul. And in the month of November, it's especially for holy souls. Now, more misconceptions about indulgences than perhaps any other teaching in the Catholic faith, I believe. Oh my gosh, you sold them. You, you did this, you did that. I'll explain all of that. Now, why do we have them? All right, in confession. Now, you've probably heard me say this, but when you go to confession, is the sin forgiven? Yes, if you have a valid confession. You've heard me talk about this. Please don't withhold any grave sins in the confessional because then you don't have a valid confession. If you are confessing 99 out of 100 sins and that one sin you're not confessing is because you're embarrassed or it's a grave sin, your whole confession's invalid. You need to not be cafeteria Catholic. You have to confess any grave sins we can remember then your confession is valid as long as you have some form of contrition and you do your penance or satisfaction. Now, that being said, confess all those grave sins. And if you forget any, it's okay. Those are truly forgiven, but don't play games with God. He knows if you truly forgot them or if you selectively forgot them. So if you have a valid confession, now your sin is uh, forgiven, right? But what about the punishment? All right, when you come out of that confessional, the eternal punishment due to sin, a.k.a. hell, that is gone. As long as you have a valid confession, it's wiped away, it's gone. 
but the temporal punishment may remain. What is that? All right. Even though we're confessed or we're forgiven, the stain of sin may remain. I'll give you an example. When we sin, we scar the body of Christ. And I have tons of new material here in this talk. This talk is 85, 90% new material, but I want to do a review here in the beginning that you might be turning on and say, well, Father Chris, I've already heard you say this before. This is just a short review. So stay with us because the rest of this is all added stuff, but new stuff. But when we sin, it's like we take a knife and we slit the body of Christ. We, we cut into the body of Christ. And in the confessional, that, that wound is healed. But what happens after you get knifed? Your wound heals, but there's a scar. The scar remains. And believe it or not, that scar is also a stain that can prevent us from getting into heaven. So in confession, the wound is healed, but we have to do something about that scar. We must repair the damage that we did to the body of Christ. Now, some of you may have heard my analogy about the window. It's a good analogy, I think, because it's like the boy who plays baseball in the yard after his dad told him not to. The boy plays baseball. Dad said, don't do it. He does, breaks the window. Dad comes home, sees the broken window, tells the son, son, you disobeyed me. Son says, I'm sorry, dad, forgive me. And he says, yes, son, I do forgive you, but you're grounded for two weeks and you're paying for it out of your allowance. This is loving discipline. And this people are going to say, well, Jesus already did that. Jesus forgave on the cross. He didn't atone in terms of any other reparation that we have to make for our sins. That's up to us. We have skin in this game too. So let's talk about that. An indulgence then, what is an indulgence? Okay, an indulgence is defined as the remission of that penalty because you could have two types of penalties we just said. Even after confession, temporal punishment may remain. The eternal punishment is gone but the penalty of temporal punishment may remain. So an indulgence is the remission of the penalty due to sin already forgiven. It doesn't forgive the sin. That's in confession. But after confession, you're still not done. You may have some punishment remaining. Now, it is done, as I said, for ourselves or a holy soul, when we do a plenary indulgence to help relieve their punishment or our own. So what I normally do, I normally do a plenary indulgence every day for the holy souls in days one through 29 of the month. Then on the 30th day of the month, I do it for myself. So the last day of the month, I do my, my, a plenary indulgence for myself. The other days are always for the plenary or for the holy souls. So God gave his church the power to forgive sin. Why not punishment? If God said to his church, you have the power to forgive sins, I'm giving you that authority. Why not punishment? Let's look at our next slide. I love this slide. This is St. Faustina. St. Faustina said that Jesus told her, the souls in purgatory are greatly loved by me. They are making retribution to my justice. It is in your power to bring them relief. These are the words of Jesus. Draw, listen to this, 
all the indulgences from the treasury of my church. That's paragraph 12, 26. So, well, Father, people misuse indulgences. Well, yeah, but I, I said the other day, I could use, misuse a computer or a knife. I could use a knife for good things like cutting open my letters and opening packages, or I could go hurt somebody with it. My computer, I could use it for something good, like working on this presentation all night last night, or I could use it for something bad and go to an improper website. So indulgences are no different. God gives us free will to misuse them or not, but the church never teaches to misuse them and never has, actually. We'll talk about that. Now, what are indulgences? They don't free us from sin. They don't forgive our sins, but they presuppose that we've already been forgiven in the confessional. That's the first step. Now, they, as I said, deal only with temporal punishment and not eternal. That's what Jesus did on the cross. So when people say, you crazy Catholics, Jesus did this on the cross. He not only forgave our sin, he took care of the punishment. Yes, the eternal punishment. You have to know this because we're going to be challenged by our non-Catholic brethren. And when they say that Jesus did it all on the cross, yes, he did it all on the cross. And that is what keeps you out of hell. That's what gives you eternal life. So Jesus forgave the sin. Jesus gave eternal life. But the temporal punishment, and we're going to go over this, makes sense that we do something to be part of this. If you had no skin in the game, then everybody would go to heaven. If you didn't have something to do with this, everybody would go to heaven and not even know non-Catholics believe that. That's universalism. That's a heresy. All right, now, let's keep going because this is very important. There are consequences of sin. There are consequences there is a tendency, especially as I said among non-Catholics, to think that sin only has one consequence, hell. Then we're forgiven, we go to heaven. There is no purgatory. But listen to this. If guilt to them, if guilt is forgiven, one will go to heaven. If it's not forgiven, one will go to hell. Again, nothing in between. But this is incomplete. This is very incomplete. Scripture tells us that guilt is not the only result of sin. What do I mean by guilt? Guilt is what you owe in the confession. That's I need forgiveness. When I say the guilt of sin, it doesn't mean, oh, I feel bad. Well, you need to. But the guilt of sin means you have something that's got to be cleansed. You're guilty like in a court. That's what guilt means. I've been found guilty. I've done the crime. Now I'm going to be punished in the court. And so we have the guilt of sin means we're guilty of it. And God can forgive us, yes, in the confessional. But the book of Hebrews says God still rebukes and disciplines his children. Well, wait a minute, Jesus did it on the cross. Yes, the eternal punishment. Well, Father, how do you know the temple remains? Go to the book of Hebrews. God still rebukes and disciplines his children in order to produce holiness in them stating, quote, this is Hebrews 12, he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Let's have Brother Mark show the next slide. This is David and Moses. I always point to this. What happened to David and Moses? David sinned with Bathsheba, right? Took another man's wife, committed adultery with her. Then he said, Lord, in Psalm 51, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I've done wrong. I've sinned against you. Did the Lord say you're not forgiven? You're going to hell? No, the Lord said you're forgiven. But then what happened? 
Nathan called him out and says, your firstborn child will have to die because of this. Hey, don't kill the messenger here. I know you don't like this teaching possibly, but this is scripture. This is the Bible. David had to pay in a temporal punishment. He was forgiven of the sin. He wasn't condemned to hell. But he had to pay, and it says, Nathan said, because of your sin, your firstborn son will die. What about Moses? <clears throat> Moses didn't trust God. In the, let's look at him on the, second, on the same slide. Moses said, Lord, and he, Lord said, tap the rock, and Moses tapped the rock, and he didn't trust, and he tapped it again, and, and the Lord forgave him. Moses wasn't condemned to hell. But did Jesus say, hey, or did God say, hey, everything's good. Sorry you didn't or that you didn't trust me, and that's okay. Don't worry about it. No, God said, you're not entering the Holy Land. Now, personally, I think that was a little harsh. <laughs> I was like, man, Lord, if that's what Moses got, I'm in trouble. So this is what we have to remember. Now, what is the nature of punishment? All right, as I said, there's two kinds of punishment, temporal and eternal. Eternal, as I said, is hell. That is forgiven in the confessional, gone. But the temporal may remain even after the confessional. Now, both are allowed by God on account of sin. God condemns people to hell, even though we really condemn ourselves, right? God let us choose and we make those choices. And the way a judge sentences somebody to heaven, maybe sentence is a better way, word. God sentences someone to hell the way a judge sentences someone to prison. He only did it because of the actions of the person. A judge isn't going to come up to you today and say you're sentenced to prison unless you did something bad. God does the same way. In the case of temporal punishment, however, God inflicts in the same way a loving parent would their child. Like we just said, the parent grounding the child for playing baseball and breaking the window. Now, grave sin. This is the one that's going to get you in trouble. I am getting letter after letter right now about the Holy Father meeting with President Biden. I apologize. I can't comment on that now because I didn't have a chance as working on this talk to read. But on the surface, if everybody's what's telling me is correct, it said that the Pope had said that uh, one account I read that said abortion didn't come up. On another account I read it said abortion did come up. So I, I really I can't comment on that. But we'll just leave it at this. If you're in a state of grave sin, you gotta go to confession. You gotta go to confession. Because dying in an unrepentant state of mortal sin is the only way you're gonna go to hell. And we don't want that. The reason I'm here, the reason you're here, is so that we help you not do that. Now, grave sin deprives us of communion with God and makes us incapable of eternal life. This is eternal punishment, what we're here to avoid. On the other hand, venial sins, they sneak in. What do I mean by venial sin? Well, some impatience. Maybe you walk the other way when somebody that annoys you comes down the hallway. I see my employees sometimes scatter when I come down the hallway. So that wouldn't be a mortal sin or a grave sin. That would be more venial. But sometimes they can be something good. 
We can have attachments to something that's not sinful. We can have attachments to maybe food unless we eat too much and it's gluttony. But, you know, I've, you've heard me say before, I like uh, fishing. I, I like college football. Um, that's one of my sacrifices today. The Michigan game actually starts in about a half hour. And so I'm going to be right here with you guys instead of watching the first part of the game, but just pray that Michigan beats Michigan State. So that's my, that's my school. So we, we all have this. Now, sometimes when we get attachments to creatures or created things, we got to be purified. And you have two choices how to be purified in this life or the next life, purgatory. You have your choice. Now, this purification will free us from what's called temporal punishment. This is the beauty. These two punishments are not a vengeance of God, but a result or consequence of our sin. Now, here comes God's grace. You always hear that? Grace, grace, grace. All right. For eternal punishment, God gives us sanctifying grace to remove the guilt of sin, the punishment, eternal. But in the case of temporal punishment, God can cure disordered attachments to created things and people that can avoid having to do it in purgatory. And one of the ways is the church. People don't get this. This is what an indulgence is according to the catechism. When remitting temporal punishment, the church doesn't come up with the grace on its own. It draws from that treasury of graces that we just said St. Faustina mentioned. Jesus said, draw from the treasury of my grace to help these souls. It draws upon the good works of the saints, but most of all, the merit of Jesus on the cross. We are not creating the grace. <clears throat> all right, so here's the point, everybody. You know how sin, when I sin or you sin, we hurt each other? It's the same thing with indulgences. We can help each other. Now that's where the role of the church is. Let's look at our next slide. That's the church I grew up in. That's Monroe St. Michael's Church in Monroe, Michigan. One of the most beautiful churches. And you can see a slide of it right there. You probably see a picture of me many years ago with Sister Dorothy yelling at me in the front row to pay attention. Now that is the gift God gives us. That's the role of the church. Now God has made the church his instrument for giving us grace and regulating our spiritual lives. The church is important. He gave the power to the church. How do you know this, Father? Matthew 16, 19. All right. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. He gave Peter the keys to the kingdom, right? Whose sins you bind or loose. This is important. God gave the church to get us to heaven. And so the church will tell us what to do now. God also gave the church the ability to help us grow in holiness. So by promoting holy actions, indulgences help us do holy things like prayer, visiting churches. So the church gives individuals a way to grow in holiness because it wants us to get to heaven. Like visiting a church on its anniversary. Holy actions. So now, we're going to get into what you all want. What can you do? What are the specific examples? Now, I've given you the, just the basis of what an indulgence is. That's kind of a recap. Now, what can you do? 
especially in the month of November, but any time to help remove that punishment from you and your loved ones. I can tell you right now, other than confession and Holy Communion, there is nothing more important you can do in your life. People are like, what? There isn't. Because this is based on love. Well, Father, love is the most important thing. What do you think an indulgence is? You're doing something out of love to get your loved one away from suffering. Yourself. It's love of self, not in the disordered way, but it's love of your neighbor. It's love of yourself. So the first thing you've got to do is the sacraments. Confession and Holy Communion. But right after that are these, the remission of temporal punishment. What do you think Divine Mercy Sunday is about? Divine Mercy Sunday is basically a plenary indulgence without the same restrictions. It's, it's like a wider net. So let's start with the November plenary indulgences. What can you do in the month of November to get a plenary indulgence for yourself or a holy soul? Okay, in November, the church gives a means of giving a plenary indulgence for the holy souls. Okay, do you know what it is? You probably grew up with this. Visiting a cemetery, and I'm sorry, let's show the next slide. This is the month of November dedicated to holy souls. So there you see on your screen, for those who sleep in Christ, life has changed, not ended. This is the month of the holy souls. Now, what do you do? All right. The first eight days in November are dedicated to the holy souls. So starting on November 1st, which is All Saints Day, those in heaven, through November 8th, so eight days, the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, for those eight days, any day you visit a cemetery and do a simple prayer, you can get a plenary indulgence for the holy souls. You all pass by them. Right here on our shrine, we have a, a graveyard right here. If you're here in person, you can visit our graveyard. One next to your house or by your neighborhood. Just pull the car over. You don't have to visit every grave. All you have to do is go in and say a pious prayer for those souls, even if it is, you know, eternal light rest upon or, or um, eternal rest be upon all of these souls here, Lord Jesus Christ. It's just a simple prayer. You could do a chaplet. You could do anything for those holy souls. So the first is to visit the cemetery and pray for the dead on this, what we call octave of the holy souls. Remember, octave means eight. So it's the octave of the All Saints Day, eight days. Now, you can also, on November 2nd, All Souls Day, get a plenary indulgence simply by going to church. So just going to church, come to Mass. In fact, November 1st is a holy day of obligation. But you can go again on November 2nd and get a plenary indulgence. So those who visit a church or oratory and recite the Our Father or the Apostles' Creed on November 2nd. Now, here's the beautiful thing. The Vatican just announced, just announced a couple days ago that these two plenary indulgences, going to a cemetery from the 1st to the 8th or going to a church on the 2nd of November, are extended to every day in November. So you sitting right here now in the church, oh, wait a minute, it's not November yet. You can get a plenary indulgence every day in November. 
by visiting a cemetery or going into a church and praying the Our Father and the Apostles' Creed. We have no excuse. Please remember that. The entire month of November, go to a cemetery, say a pious prayer, go to the church and pray in an oratory and pray in Our Father and an Apostles' Creed. You can then offer up that plenary indulgence for the entire remission of the temporal punishment due to sin for yourself or a holy soul. This is incredible. What about the year of St. Joseph? Let's look at our next slide. The year of St. Joseph. It ends December 8th. So you got a little time beyond November. You got a whole nother week. This is for St. Joseph. It is granted to those who contemplate the Lord's prayer for 30 minutes just thinking about the Our Father, or participating in a retreat of at least one day that involves St. Joseph. So if you went to a Father Don Calloway talk, you can get this plenary indulgence. Those who fulfill a corporal or spiritual work of mercy in the year of St. Joseph can get a plenary indulgence. Oh my goodness, there is no reason we can't do this. If you want, go back to my talks on the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Feed the hungry, give daring to the naked, visit the sick, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned. Those are your corporal works of mercy. Your spiritual works of mercy. Counsel the doubtful, comfort the depressed, um, admonish the sinner. Always in love, though. So any corporal or spiritual work, works of mercy in the year of St. Joseph is a plenary indulgence. What's the key? you got to ask for it. You got to ask for it. The best thing you could do is in your morning prayer, when you get up and say, Lord, if I do any plenary indulgences or partial indulgences today, give me the grace. That's all you need to do. The first thing you do wake up is say, I have the intent to get any indulgences today. And so you could do this. This is powerful. So likewise, it is granted if you pray the rosary during the year of St. Joseph. Wow especially among the betrothed. You engaged to be married? Be praying that rosary. Pray that rosary. It may also be obtained by those who daily entrust their life and protection to St. Joseph. How can you get easier than that? Get up every morning and say, St. Joseph, I put myself in your hands. Ultimately, God is God. Jesus is my Lord, but your hands will help get me to him. Help me do that. That's enough. You've just did everything you need for a plenary indulgence from now to December 8th. And all the faithful who invoke him. Man, as Father Joseph, I, my title at the American, uh, Marian Helper Center is Father Joseph. And every time I've called on St. Joseph when I've gotten myself in trouble because I did something wrong. Like yesterday, Father Kaz had to say that I did something, I mean, nothing bad, but I just wasn't thinking, and he told me not to do something, and I did it. It wasn't bad. I just had somebody send an email to a certain person, and he's like, no, 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 I was supposed to do that. I said, oh, Father Kaz, I'm sorry. St. Joseph, bail me out of this one. So you invoke St. Joseph. You can get a plenary indulgence. All right, here's another one. You pray to him for employment. We're all knowing somebody who wants or needs employment. Invoke St. Joseph, even if he doesn't get the job. <laughs> that can be a plenary indulgence. It is granted to the faithful who recite any litany to St. Joseph. You pray the litany to St. Joseph, 
or any other prayer, listen to this, for the relief of Christians suffering persecution. I love that one. Of all the ones we could do here, I would say in the next month and a half, pray the prayer or a litany or a prayer to St. Joseph for the protection of persecuted Christians. All right, how about this? Those who recite any prayer in honor of St. Joseph on his feast days, March 19th, May 1st, or the Feast of the Holy Family. You can get a big one there. So in the context of this health emergency that we're in right now, this pandemic, a plenary indulgence has been extended to all the elderly and the sick and the suffering or who are able to leave their house who pray to St. Joseph. Any of you right now watching can't leave your home? Father, I can't get to a church. Father, I can't get to a graveyard. You just told me those were the indulgences in November. I'm sick. I'm in my home. Well, guess what? St. Joseph to the rescue because you just pray to St. Joseph, offering God your suffering and hardships, and you can get a plenary indulgence. All right. What about the pandemic? A lot of emails coming in saying, Father, you talked about the plenary indulgence offered during the pandemic a year and a half ago. Does it still apply? Yes. As long as it's still declared a pandemic, it still applies. Let's look at our next slide. <clears throat> because the pandemic, anyone who recites the chaplet, the chaplet of divine mercy with, quote, the intention to read on your screen, to implore from Almighty God the end of the pandemic. So think about this. Every day you pray the chapel with us at three o'clock, are you asking for this indulgence? If not, you're missing it every day. Every day right now in the pandemic, if you pray the chaplet of divine mercy, which we should be doing anyway, the church is saying, that because of the pandemic, if you recite the chapel with the intention, quote, read your screen, to implore from Almighty God the end of the pandemic. All you have to say is, Lord, through this chapel, please end the pandemic. Relief of those who are afflicted. Lord, please help those who are sick. Or for the eternal salvation for those that the Lord has called to himself because of the pandemic. So, Lord, please pray for Father Sir, or, uh, please allow Father Seraphim entrance into heaven. We lost him to the pandemic. We lost Father Walter Gurgle to the pandemic, to COVID. So every day you pray the chaplet, offer it up for one of those three or all three, an end of the pandemic, for grace for those who are suffering because of the pandemic or those who have died from the pandemic. And you can receive a plenary indulgence every day. You know, my mission <clears throat> is to get everybody to do a work of mercy every day and an act of penance on Friday. I hope you're still doing that. You can just simply do that right now in the year of St. Joseph and get a plenary indulgence. You can pray the chaplet every day. I'm imploring you to play the chaplet every day and you can get a plenary indulgence that way every day. This is powerful stuff. There are other ways to gain special plenary indulgences in the time of an pandemic. The faithful suffering from coronavirus who are quarantined. Are you quarantined? Maybe you traveled to another state, now you got to go into quarantine. You can get a plenary indulgence. By order, if you've been quarantined, by order of health authorities or been hospitalized or in your own home, you can get a plenary indulgence. 
by doing these prayers. Now, let's look at our next slide. Here's my favorite. This is my favorite of all. Do you know that you can get a plenary indulgence if you unite spiritually through the media, look up on your screen, those who unite spiritually through the media to one, the celebration of Holy Mass, two, the recitation of the Holy Rosary, or three, to the pious practice of the way of the cross or other forms of devotion, such as the chaplet of divine mercy, you can get a plenary indulgence. Guess what, everybody? We Marians do all three of those every single day. So all you have to do is join us on the live streams and you can get a plenary indulgence. You join us and you celebrate mass with us right now in the pandemic, you can get a plenary indulgence. Unite yourself spiritually with us. Two, you tune in and you pray the rosary with us, you can get a plenary indulgence. Somebody just wrote, Father, can I get a plenary indulgence by praying the rosary online? Yes, right now in the year of the pandemic or the time of pandemic. What if I pray the chaplet, Father? Absolutely, especially for the end of the pandemic. We do that at three o'clock. In other words, stick with us, Marians, and you got tons of grace. And I really believe that's why God has called each and every one of you here. Even if you say, one person wrote me the other day, Father, I'm sorry I can't donate. I don't care. What matters is your soul. Now, if you can and God puts on your heart, that's beautiful. I mean, it's the only way we can keep going, yes. But do you think any of us Marian fathers would tell you that you can't get these graces or that you're not welcome because you can't donate? No. Please don't ever think that. To be a Marian helper is not about donating money. I mean, again, many beautiful souls support us. And that what keeps our live streams going. This takes a lot of time and money, we know. But what really keeps us going is knowing that we're bringing you God's grace. So you can get all three of those every day with the Marian fathers, watching the mass, watching the rosary, watching the chaplet. Another plenary indulgence, are you, in, are you involved taking care of somebody? Are you a healthcare worker or are you taking care of a family member like my sister? Even though there's been some issues there, please pray for my family. You can get a plenary indulgence because you've exposed yourself to risk out of love for someone else. You're like the good Samaritan. You can get a plenary indulgence in the time of pandemic. Now let's look at our next slide. A plenary indulgence you can also get at the point of death in the year of the pandemic. I keep saying the year of the pandemic, the time of pandemic. If you are at the point of death, okay, here, I'm going to give you something very powerful. You get somebody in your family who is dying and they've not been practicing their faith. They've not been a good person. They've been struggling and they're now dying, just not from the coronavirus, any reason. Sorry, I had Mark put this up, but let's put it back up. If you could have them do three things, go talk with them. Try to at least get them somehow prepared for death, disposed. If they have recited any prayers in their lifetime, even as a child, say, Mom, do you remember? Didn't we used to pray, now I lay me down to sleep? I pray the Lord my soul to keep. 
If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Even something that simple. If they have done any prayers, remind your loved one who's 90 years old that hasn't prayed in years. Remember used to pray that prayer? Yes, let's pray that now. And then third, to get it, just simply hand them a cross. Get them to hold a cross in their hand. Those three things, for anybody dying right now, they can be completely wiped clean of their punishment and be prepared in a way. Now, of course, they can't be doing this and rejecting God. I'm not saying that. They're not, they can't be doing this and be saying, you know, I hate God, he abandoned me, um, and, 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 and didn't say a prayer. No, when you say that prayer or you grab that cross, that means you're accepting Jesus. But a lot of times, it would never happen without you. And so this is your chance now. Now, <clears throat> let's go to our next slide. Do you know that you can get plenary indulgences for being a Marian helper? This, you know, earlier I said that other one was my favorite. As I'm Father Joseph, I got to say this one's got to be my favorite. Because you can get plenary indulgence for being in the Association of Marian Helpers. Again, it doesn't cost anything. On the day, let's look at the next slide. Okay. <clears throat> the Association of Marian Helpers Indulgences, if Brother Mark can put that back up. One, on the day of your enrollment, you can get a plenary indulgence just by the fact that you enrolled that day. You get a plenary indulgence. March 19th, the Feast of St. Joseph, you can get a plenary indulgence. On March 25th, the Annunciation of the Lord. Just the very fact that you're a member of the Association, on March 25th, you can get a plenary indulgence. May 18th, the Feast of our founder, St. Stanislaus Pepchinsky. August 15th, the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. These normally, in and of themselves, are not plenary indulgences. You're getting them because you're a member of the Association of Marian Helpers. This is by decree of the church. We, we aren't making this up. September the 8th, the birth of Mary. December the 8th, the Immaculate Conception of Mary. And finally, at the hour of your death, simply by being a Marian helper. Wow. Tons of grace free for you. At least have sorrow for your sins. Now you say, well, Father, how do I become a Marian helper? Brother Mark can put on the screen. It doesn't take any time. It doesn't take any money. It takes 10 seconds. Go to micprayers.org. Be a Marian helper. Share in these graces. You know why I want you to be a Marian helper? I want you to be a Marian helper because as a priest, my goal is to bring people to Jesus, to bring people to heaven, to bring people to God. That is what I will be judged on. And I take that very seriously. Souls is what Jesus looks at. As a priest, did you bring souls to me? That's what he's going to ask every priest. That's why we here at the Marian Fathers are busting our tails, trying to get you spiritually fed, educated about your faith. So the more you know God, the more you can love God. And the more the love God, the more you trust God. And the more you trust God, the more you surrender to God. And the more you surrender to God, the more you do his will. And that's the key to heaven. 
And so as a priest, God will look at me and he'll say, did you bring me souls? And there is no greater way that I know to bring you to heaven than to be part of this ministry, part of God's divine mercy. And how you are part of God's divine mercy, you receive the graces that is offered through our masses, our prayers, our rosaries, our penances. And as a Marian helper, you are part of that. Again, even if you never, ever donate a dollar, you still get these graces. That's what matters to me is that you get these graces because we're going to need them. At the time of death, the saints all tell us the demons swarm in. It's a battlefield out there. St. Faustina, we just, we're going to be showing you a clip on purgatory next week on our EWTN show. And you saw it last week, I think, too, but St. Faustina was brought by God to the bedside of a man and all the family was around and she saw all the demons swarming at the moment of his death, that's when they're going to come for us. Don't be scared. Please don't. Because the answer is so simple. Grace. And there's many, many graces through the church. And the best way the church gives us is the sacraments. And the next best are the indulgences, but the indulgences are tied to the sacraments. So this, I, I can't stress enough. Now, I've given you many examples, and you're probably going to say, Father, I can't remember all those examples you gave me month of November, the St. Joseph year. Okay, I'm going to give you what I call the big four that you can do every day of the year, any time or place, all right? The four big plenary indulgences. Let's look at our slide, all right? Examples of the four plenary indulgences that we can do every day. Brother Mark is showing it on the screen right now. One, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament for 30 minutes. Two, Stations of the Cross. Any day, not just Lent, not just Fridays. Three, praying the rosary inside a church or chapel or with another person. I always laugh. This is why when I get picked up at the airport at midnight, I always make my brothers pray another rosary. Father, I've already prayed three today. You're praying a fourth because we want that plenary indulgence. And then fifth, I plan on doing this at halftime of the Michigan game, reading a half an hour of scripture. You can do that anywhere. Now, let's talk about these. Those are the big four. You can do those anytime, any place, any day. So adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, at least a half an hour. Stay focused on Jesus. Keep your eye on the creator, not the creature or the created thing. Two, the way of the cross. Jesus specifically asked for this at the three o'clock hour to commemorate his death on the cross. If you can, do it at 3 p.m., if you can't, that's okay. Still do it. Jesus said this in the diary. There is more merit to meditation on my passion than there is a whole year of flagellation, meaning whipping yourself in penance that draws blood. One hour, one hour of meditating on his passion, like Stations of the Cross, is worth more than an entire year of whipping yourself. That's pretty powerful. He says, the contemplation of my painful wounds is of great profit to you and brings me great joy. This is Diary 369. Now, the stations have to be 
legally erected, meaning at a, blessed by a bishop at the, at the church or whatnot, not in your bathroom that you draw nine little or 14 little stations. No, it has to be in the right place. Okay, next, recitation of the rosary. Again, this can be done in a church, a chapel, or with another person. So when you're with another person, offer to pray the rosary when you're driving in the car. Let them know about the plenary indulgence. And then finally, reading scripture for at least a half an hour. We all need to read scripture, and the Catholic Church teaches to read scripture. All right. Now, why do I keep saying, if you've caught this, you can get a plenary indulgence? And it's not just automatic when you do these things that you're going to get a plenary indulgence. Oh, no, Father, here we go. All your rules and regulations. No, these are not rules and regulations. Plenary indulgence are extra credit of grace. I said before, when I took quantum mechanics and electromagnetism when I was in engineering, there would be questions like calculate the flux through the toroid. That one little simple question would take five pages of mathematical notes to answer one question. I was clueless. I had no clue when I got into quantum mechanics and electromagnetism what I was doing. And thank goodness the teacher, I said, you know, Professor, my, uh, I'm not looking too good here. She said, I tell you what, write a paper on this particular topic about quantum mechanics. And I'll give you extra credit. Do you think I would turn around to him and say, you know, professor, I don't like all your rules and regulations. He would have said, fine, don't do it. This is basically what the church is saying. It's up to you if you want this extra grace. It's not a rule. It's not a regulation. It's extra grace. So the usual conditions, though, must apply. Notice I keep saying you can get a plenary indulgence because there are four things we have to do with every plenary indulgence for it to be a full indulgence. Let's look at the next slide. <laughs> All right. We have to meet four conditions for a plenary indulgence. Look up on your screen. One, we must receive Holy Communion. For each indulgence, you need to receive Holy Communion. It can be on the next day or two days after. It can be, but one indulgence needs one Holy Communion. Next, confession. Now, I had some great questions. Father, do I have to go to an individual confession for each plenary indulgence? No. One confession covers all your plenary indulgences up to 20 days before the indulgence or 20 days after. Now, if you're not in a state of grace, you need to go to confession before. But if you're in a state of grace and you do a plenary indulgence, you can go to confession after. So it's about 20 days. It used to be eight, but up to 20 days before or 20 days after. So you know what? Go once a month, you're covered. Because the span's 40 days. You go once a month every 30 days, you're covered. So make a habit out of it. 
go every first Saturday or second Saturday. First Saturday would be fabulous because of the devotion of first Saturday. You go to confession every first Saturday. Do you realize the incredible graces you're going to get because you're getting a plenary indulgence and you're getting the first Saturday devotion that Mary's asking us to do? And join us next Saturday as we marry in fathers at 11 o'clock. I'll be back on my talk about marrying apparitions and we'll be doing the devotion of the first Saturday. Again, stick with us, Marians. We got it all covered for you. You don't need anything else because we're bringing you God's divine mercy. And so we will be doing the first Saturday next weekend. So anyway, you got to go to confession about every 20 days or before or after. That's 40 days total. Go once a month, you're covered. Next, pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. All right, let me be very clear on this. I'm getting tons of letters. Father, I will not pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. He just told Biden he doesn't have to go to confession. He can go receive Holy Communion. I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying what people are telling me. I pray it's not true. I don't know. But the intentions of the Holy Father that we're talking about in indulgences is not that. If you pray for the intentions of the Holy Father, it's the office of the papacy. It's not just... Pope Francis saying we need to get the vaccine and Father, I will not pray for that intention. That's not what we're talking about here. Praying for the intentions of the Holy Father is given through the office of the papacy that Christ established and is given by the church and you can read them online. You want to know what those intentions are that you're praying for? Type into Google, what are the intentions of the Holy Father each month in 2021 and it'll give you Pray for the persecuted Christians. Um, you know, pray for those who are in poverty and end the epidemic or pandemic. All these things are given. You're, there's nothing in those intentions that you wouldn't want to pray for. So please don't be afraid to pray for the intentions of the Holy Father through the plenary indulgence because it is not forced vaccination. It is not about Biden. This is not what it's relating to. Okay? And trust me, I stand with you on those other areas but that's not what we're talking about here. All right, next. <laughs> the fourth condition that sinks most all of us. No attachment to sin, even venial. All right, this one is really hard. I laugh because earlier I said Michigan's playing Michigan State today, and I'm a Michigan graduate. One of the worst moments ever for me was a few years ago when Michigan had the lead with the ball with 14 seconds to go. All they had to do was punt it away. Michigan State blocked it, ran 40 yards for a touchdown, and Michigan lost. I uttered a few words of discontent that I had to go to confession for. Why do I tell this story? That's attachment. What, Father? Yeah. I was attached a little too much to that game. We could be attached a little bit too much to things, our pets. They don't have to be sinful things. Yeah, you could definitely be attached to sinful things. You could be attached to alcohol. You could be attached to pornography. You could be attached to a lot of things. Gluttony, too much cell phone, too much computer. They don't have to be sinful things. They can be attached to people. If somebody's more important to you than God, you have a, you have a disordered attachment. Even your spouse. What, Father? Yeah. 
The order of importance in our lives has to be God first, spouse second, children third. Child worship, very common. We don't want to fall into that trap. As much as we love our children, they are not more important than God. They are a gift of God. God first, spouse second, children third. So we can have attachments. Now that doesn't mean father, the bishop, tell the bishop, father's saying not to love my children. <laughs> Please, no. I'm not saying that. What we are saying is God is giving us an opportunity to love him first. And so, this is important. No attachment to sin. Now, on another totally different talk, this is why Divine Mercy Sunday is so important. All those four things that I just said that you have to do to get a plenary indulgence, what's a plenary indulgence? Forgiveness of not only all sin, but all punishment. You have to do four things. You have to go to confession, communion, pray for the intentions of the Holy Father. Those three are pretty easy, but no attachment to sin. That's pretty hard. So what if you can't do that? Well, then you get a partial indulgence. Well, Father, I want a plenary. Well, then you can't have any attachment to sin. Father, I can't do that. So I'm stuck? Well, you got Divine Mercy Sunday. Because Divine Mercy Sunday also, like a plenary indulgence, gives up, removes all your sin and punishment, but it doesn't have that condition. So even the broken snake can crawl out of the gutter the only two things Jesus said to do on Divine Mercy Sunday, go to confession, go to Holy Communion, that's it. So you can be wiped clean so everybody, even with brokenness, can get wiped clean on Divine Mercy Sunday. That'll be a topic for another talk. But that's how important it is. And there is a plenary indulgence also offered on Divine Mercy Sunday, in addition to the extraordinary promise, <coughs> which I'll talk about more. So if you're, if you're confused, don't worry. We'll, we'll catch you up. Now, partial indulgences, all right? If we are not perfectly detached from sin, you can still get a partial. And remember, don't think that's not worth it. Pennies equal dollars. I read that story about that kid that showed up at the grocery store. You know that place where they dump the pennies in and coins in and then it calculates it? He brought in something like 35 five-gallon buckets full of pennies, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. You don't think pennies don't equal dollars? They do. And so indulgences can help, even if they're partial. Now, here's a few other little tidbits. Do indulgences apply to future sins? No. Indulgences only wipe out past sins. If we sin again, all right, we either do another indulgence or pay that off in purgatory. You have your choice, all right? We can gain an indulgence for who? Yourself or a holy soul, but not another living person. You can't get an indulgence for a living person. Now, a partial indulgence, let's talk about that because you don't want to forget these, can be granted under these conditions. One, if you think and pray to God, just a simple prayer to God, you can get a partial indulgence with doing nothing else. No communion, no confession, nothing else. You can just pray to God and you can get a partial indulgence. All you got to do is ask for it. If you care for or share your goods with those in need, the guy at the stoplight that's holding the sign and you give him a dollar bill, you just gained a partial indulgence. But you got to ask for it. If you abstain from something pleasing 
There's the bells ringing, saying, Father Chris, don't watch that football game today. You can abstain. You can get a partial indulgence. If we witness our faith to others, you can get a partial indulgence. Do you know by simply after this video is done, you click on it and say share and you send it to somebody, you've just earned a partial indulgence. That's amazing. You're sharing your faith with others. Do you know that if you just have the intent, you'll get it. So make a morning offering. When you wake up every day, say, Lord, if I do any indulgences today that I'm not even aware of, please give me the grace. That's enough. In addition, partial indulgences are obtained for specific prayers. Did you know this? Do you know saying the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed at any time, anywhere, which we do at Mass even, or in the Rosary, but that's a partial indulgence. Did you know that saying the Magnificat, that's the prayer of Mary, that God is my Savior, that's a, a partial. The Memorare, remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. That's a partial indulgence. The Angelus, we prayed at noon. Three Hail Marys, that's a partial indulgence. Do you know the Hail Holy Queen? Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy. That's a partial indulgence. Do you know teaching your Christian faith? Just telling somebody, that, well, the church teaches this. Or blame Father Chris. Father Chris says this. You can get a partial indulgence. Now, some partial indulgence, that removes some of the punishment. But you can only gain one. Here's the beautiful thing. You can only gain one plenary indulgence a day, but how many partial indulgences can you get a day? Five? Unlimited. Unlimited. So the more you do, the more God is going to just be so proud that we're trying to do our faith and cleanse us. Even if we fail to meet the conditions of the plenary indulgence, we don't have perfect detachment to sin, you get the partial. So keep working at it. Now, let's take a look up on the screen. Brother Mark is going to show two quick slides. Some partial indulgences. Let's talk about this. Do you know making the sign of the cross is a partial indulgence? Praying the rosary doesn't have to be in common with anybody, just by yourself in your car. That's a partial indulgence. Raising one's thought to God in a pious way, I already said, is a partial indulgence. Adoring Jesus in the Eucharist just for a moment, not a half an hour. That's a partial indulgence. Teaching or attending a catechism class, you're doing it right now. Just by watching these videos, you're attending a catechism class. So every time you click on explaining the faith series with Father Chris, you say, Lord, give me this plenary indulgence for putting up with him. <laughs> Fasting. You fast, you can get a plenary indulgence. Venerating a saint on his feast day or her feast day is a plenary, uh, I keep saying plenary, partial indulgence. Giving alms, helping the poor is a partial indulgence. Now I had a video lined up, but I'm sorry, I'm running out of time here, so we're going to skip the video, but it's a video that I might try to show later. It just kind of summarizes everything that we've talked about on what an indulgence is. Um, and uh, you know what? Oh, well, let's see. Nah, I best I better go. I am running a little bit late. But everything I've said, just go back and listen to this. Very powerful stuff. All right, I want to finish with, come on in, Mary. Come on in. Front row's ready for you, Mary. The myths about a plenary indulgence. All right. Here's the first thing I want to say. The Catholic Church 
does not now and never has sold indulgences. Never. The Dominican priest, Johann Tetzel, did sell indulgences. And this is what everybody turns to. The Catholic Church sold indulgences. I, even as late as my first year of the priesthood, used to apologize that we made mistakes selling indulgences. We did not. Just because some bad priest did it doesn't make it church teaching. Now, I could turn around and sell this shrine and take the money and go to the Bahamas. That doesn't make it church teaching. The church never sold indulgences. Some priests did. You see the difference? It is contrary to explicit church regulations. In fact, the Council of Trent in the 1500s issued a decree that gave church teaching on indulgences that provided strict guidelines to eliminate abuses. Then, in 1967, Paul VI reiterated this on indulgences and even added more reforms to it. Basically, this is not church teaching, and it never has been, even though it's been done by some priests. They're not in line with church teaching. So let's talk about some of the myths. Myth one, a person can buy his way out of hell with an indulgence. No, that's false. Indulgences only are referring to temporal punishment, not eternal. Once you are in hell, that's it. There is no way to get out of it. The only way to avoid hell is asking for God's mercy here on this earth. After death, your fate is sealed. And as we're wrapping up here, myth two, a person can buy indulgences for sins not yet committed. No, the church has always taught indulgences do not apply to sins not yet committed. An indulgent is not permission to commit sins in the future, nor a pardon of future sins. All right, myth three, a person can buy forgiveness with indulgences. False. Indulgences presuppose you've already been forgiven in the confessional. A confession is, or forgiveness has already taken place. For, indulgences in no way forgive sins. They only deal with the punishment after the sin's been forgiven. Myth four, indulgences were invented as a means for the church to raise money. False indulgences developed from reflecting on confession and that even after our sin is forgiven we still owe back to god they shorten the penance of 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 what we have to do they were used in centuries before the church ever used it for money incorrectly by some priests so in other words the indulgences were used for centuries before it was ever thought to use it for money and again it wasn't by the church teaching it was by some individual priests myth five an indulgence will shorten your time in purgatory by a fixed number of days okay this is really interesting if you see old prayer cards it'll say if you say this prayer 365 days indulgence that does not mean 365 days out of purgatory what that means is you pray that prayer and it's like doing 365 days of penance it's different there's no time in purgatory in the sense that we know it on this earth. It is temporal, though. So the number of days which used to attach to indulgences, um, the Catholic Church does not claim to know how much time is needed in purgatory, so we can't say that. Myth six, 
a person can still buy indulgences. False. Trent reformed this, and in 1567, uh, Pius V canceled all grants of indulgences involving any fees or financial transactions. Even if you wanted to buy an indulgence, you can't. Last, myth seven, a person used to, used to be able to buy indulgences. Okay, Father, you don't do it now, but they used to. That's why I'm not Catholic. No, one could never buy indulgences. The financial standards surrounding indulgences involved giving alms to some charity as the occasion to grant indulgences. What do I mean? Okay, here's, here's how money got involved. Basically, the church said that if you want to give to a charity, you can earn a plenary indulgence because it's an act of charity that is not the same as buying the indulgence. It's saying if your heart is truly giving, then you can possibly get a plenary indulgence. We never bought them. The Catholicopedia says to give money to God or to the poor is a praiseworthy act. And according to God himself will not go unrewarded. That's all it is. All right. So last things here. Uh, how many of our temporal punishments can be remitted? Basically all of them. All right. Temporal punishments can be removed by God's grace through the treasury of the saints. All right. The rewards on which the church draws are infinite because they come from Jesus. The rewards of the saints, indulgences don't duplicate the work of Jesus. Many people say Jesus already died on the cross. He already did this for us. Yes, the eternal punishment. He never did that for the temporal. Otherwise, Hebrews wouldn't tell us what it does. The treasury of grace is awesome. You know what you need to think of the treasury of grace? If you're not tapping into this, you're missing the best bank account ever given to you. You know what the treasury of grace is? All right, you got this bank account up there in heaven. It's called the treasury of graces. When you need grace and you need a withdrawal because your family's falling apart, you've lost your job, you want your faith, you don't have faith, you want it, go up into the treasury of graces. Say, Lord, please shower down upon me from the treasury of graces of your sacrifice on the cross and the saints. Pour down upon me. You can make a withdrawal. Now, here's the catch. Once you then are in a good position, you make a deposit. You pray a rosary. You get the indulgence. You make a deposit into the treasury of grace for any holy soul that needs it. All those other indulgences we just talked about are deposits. You make a deposit so that other souls, like holy souls that need it, they can withdraw from it. This is beautiful. And it's not regulations or rules. This is very important. All right, now, so these infinite gifts do not duplicate God or his work on the cross, but they benefit, they, they, we draw from it. Indulgences are not taking the place of Jesus' work on the cross. All right? The Bible indicates this. All right? We have, the Bible indicates that Christ's work we add to it. Now, how do I mean that? What do you mean you add to it, Father? Christ's work was complete, yes, but listen to Paul. If we ignore indulgences, we neglect Christ has done for us and through us. I'm not yet to Paul yet. 
Even though Christ's sufferings were super abundant, far more than we ever needed, Paul said something's lacking. Now let's look at our next slide. Paul said something is lacking. What did Paul say? Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in the flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. Colossians uh, 1, 24. Father, how dare you say something's lacking in Jesus' cross? I didn't. Paul did. And what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Our sufferings. So when we unite our sufferings with the cross of Christ, all this beauty, all these graces of the indulgences are available. Well, only Christ can expiate sins. Ah, only Christ can forgive sins and he does it through his church. But to atone for them, you can do. The criticism of that is unfounded. Expiation means making amends for the wrong we have done and God wants us to do that. The satisfaction comes by paying our debt. When it comes to the eternal effects of our sins, yes, only Jesus did that. But we are talking temporal, the things that we've done. Listen to the next slide. I think you want to see the most important Bible verse that nobody ever mentions to you? You want to see the single most important short Bible verse for our Catholic faith that nobody ever talks about, nobody ever mentions. Let's show it. Proverbs 16, 6. By loving kindness and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. Wait a minute. Only Jesus atones for sin. No, only Jesus forgives sin and only Jesus atones for the eternal punishment due to sin. We must atone for our temporal punishment of the sin we have done. And it says it in Proverbs 16, 6. By loving kindness and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. He's talking to us. So a person makes temporal atonement, though never eternal atonement. Only Jesus does that, of which Christ is only capable, but we do it in our acts of love. All right? So to gain an indulgence, how do you do it? How do you get it? You must be Catholic because you've got to be under the Catholic Church's jurisdiction. The Catholic Church's jurisdiction doesn't apply to non-Catholics. So if you're not a Catholic, they don't have the jurisdiction to say you get this grace. The Catholic Church only has a jurisdiction to say you get the grace because you're Catholic. That doesn't mean that they can't get grace. It just means that the church doesn't have the authority to say you're going to guarantee that grace. Now, Jesus could still give it. Please don't write me and say, I'm saying non-Catholics can't get grace. No, the Catholic Church has the authority to guarantee you get the grace because you're under her jurisdiction. All right, you must be in a state of grace. That's clear. You can't be, your acts are not meritorious if you're not in a state of grace. You must also ask for it. You must perform the act with some contrition, a good heart. You can't do this. Well, I really hate you, but I'm just doing this because I don't want to suffer. That don't work. All right. The church doesn't just do this, but it helps you to draw to become a better person by doing it. 
If you attempt to receive a plenary indulgence, but you're not able to get a full one, as I said, you get a partial. Now, indulgences are part of infallible teaching, as I said. Trent says you got to believe it. This is how powerful God's grace is. The pious of indulgences dates back to the early days of the church. The church has been doing this way before the Protestant Reformation. To understand it, let's look at, you know what, I think I might have to skip this. Let's see, sins, God, okay, I mentioned that. Um, let me see, I'm going to have to skip these to see if I can pick up just a few bit more here that I wanted to talk about. Um, Okay, normally focus on penalties of sin because they're most important. Okay, Scripture says, listen to what Scripture says. Genesis 3.16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. What's happening with Adam and Eve? Through the promise of a savior and the gift of a mother, they avoided hell. But did they get all avoidance of any temporal punishment and suffering? No, they were kicked out of the garden. Now they must sweat by the brow of the sweat of their brow. They must till the garden. In childbirth, they will have pain. The poor mother will have pain. So there is such a thing as temporal punishment. When we repent, God removes the guilt and external punishment, eternal punishment, but temporal punishment remains. Remember Nathan said to David, the Lord forgave you. Listen to this, 2 Samuel 12. The Lord on his part has forgiven your sin. You shall not die. But since you have utterly spurned the Lord by this deed, the child born to you must surely die. I'm not saying God is evil here or God is unloving. What we're saying here is there's consequence to sin. The key, non-Catholics even realize that although Jesus paid the price for our sins, he did not relieve our obligation to repair what we have done. Even non-Catholics acknowledge that if you steal someone's car, you got to give it back. All right, how preposterous is this? When I was my first job, I had my car stolen. I actually did in Toledo, Ohio, my first job. I woke up one morning and I went outside to my apartment. I had been up late getting some work done and I was co-oping. I was working at the same time and I was going finishing my master's degree or my um, bachelor's degree. And I'm real tired and I walk out of the parking lot with my book bag. My car's gone. I thought, man, I really am tired. Where's my car? Looking around, I can't find my car. Then I saw the broken glass. Realized the car had been stolen. Reported it to the police. Later, the police called. They found the car. They actually caught the guy. Now... Would the police actually go to that guy and the guy says, you know what, I'm sorry, I repent. And we all say, well, you're forgiven, you can go now. And he gets to keep the car? That's ridiculous. Nobody says that. Nobody says that. 
You have to give it back. It's not enough just to repent and be forgiven. This is the difference between the Catholic teaching and non-Catholic Christian teaching. They believe all you have to do is repent and you're forgiven. Our own human life that God gives us tells us that's something that's not right. I mean, that means I can come and steal $10,000 from you and say, you know, I'm really sorry, Brother Mark, but you know, I don't got to give it back. Of course you do. It doesn't make any sense. So even the forgiven have to do something to make up for what they did. People come to me, if you stole something from your work and it was years ago, well, Father, what do I got to do now? Well, you do some penance to give back. Maybe you give that amount you stole to a charity. If it's your, your own company and you don't want to lose your job, well, Father, I'd really like to give it back, but then I'm fired and I really need this job. Okay. Work some extra hours and don't report it on your time card. Because now you're giving back from what you took. So you stole $500, calculate how many hours that would be of your salary, put in those extra hours and don't claim it on your time card. You've paid back. So these are things that we don't understand. All right? Now, I'm not going to show all these slides. I'm not going to have Brother Mark show them, but I'm just going to highlight some notes. Oh, here's one. Matthew 9, verses 1 through 8. God blesses some people as a reward for other people. Do you know God will bless your loved ones as a reward to you? If you are serving him faithfully, God will bless your loved ones because of your faithfulness to him. What are you talking about, Father? We're all independent here. It's only about me and Jesus. No, it's about me and Jesus and you. Remember the four men in the paralytic? When they lowered the man through the, the roof and it was their faith, Jesus didn't look at the man on the, on the mat and say, your faith is healed you. He looked at the four men and he said, their faith healed this man. So sometimes God blesses some people as a reward to you for being faithful. When God blesses one person as a reward to someone else, it happens through punishment. What did God promise Abraham? Because he was faithful, he didn't destroy Sodom and the people there, the good people. He only asked to find 10 good people. And for the sake of 10 good people, he was not going to kill all the others. That means that God blessed some people because of the faithfulness of others. This is what a plenary indulgence is. All right. What about this? God doesn't work through his church. Yes. All penances were signed by the church and the scripture tells God, or excuse me, God tells us in scripture that he gave his authority to men. Well, I'm not into men. Well, okay, but Jesus gave his authority to the men of the church. Don't believe me? Read Matthew chapter 9, verse 8. He gave his authority to the church, to men. They guide you in the Holy Spirit. So Christ promised his church the power to bind and loose on earth. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. In other words, heaven has to follow the church. Fascinating. And finally, God will even bless those loved ones of ours that have departed. We know this from 2 Maccabees 12. This is the power of of our faith 
and the graces given in the plenary indulgence. You know, I am going to make a whole other talk on the Reformation. I was, I was going to finish by making a couple words on the Reformation. You know, the, the Reformation in some ways was necessary. In other ways, it was very sinful. So how could it be both? How could the Reformation be both necessary and very sinful? Stay tuned. We're going to do another talk on that at another time. So in the meantime, I want to have Brother Mark skip down on the slides to pray for the souls to get them to heaven. Join us at PrayForSouls.org. You see up on your screen, help souls to heaven. PrayForSouls.org. There you can leave prayer intentions of your loved ones that we Marians will pray for. You can be part of the Holy Souls Sodality, praying and offering up your daily intentions for the Holy Souls. And it's not just Holy Souls we know, it's your loved ones, your Holy Souls. And so this is very, very powerful. All right? And then the last couple slides, if you'd like to get our DVD of our talks, you can get Explaining the Faith DVD at shopmercy.org or 800-4-MARION. Uh, next couple are my book, Understanding Divine Mercy. You can get that also on Shop Mercy or 800-4-MARION. And then finally, if you know anybody struggling, the book called After Suicide is not just about suicide, but anybody who's suffering from loss, tragedy, God's mercy is with you. And you can get it there. And you know what? I almost forgot. There's a new movie out, and it played at the movie theaters the last couple nights, uh, Monday and Thursday, called Purgatory. And we, Marian Fathers, helped to, to bring that movie to you. And um, we had a play, if you see that movie, um, you can see Father Kaz, Father Jim, Father Diego, and others. And at the end, after the credits, like, we come on and do a talk on purgatory. It's going to be coming out, we don't know exactly when, but on DVD and CD. I recommend you get that, because that's a great way to teach you the importance of praying for our faithful departed and the indulgences we can get for them. So we hope you'll join us in that movie. It's been out at theaters and pray because they said it might be brought back for a third night. And so we're waiting to hear the news on that. But until then, may almighty God bless you. And don't forget, we have the first Saturdays next weekend. Uh, first Friday will be at eight o'clock tomorrow or uh, Friday night. And um, uh, the uh, first Saturday will be at 11, just like this talk on Marian apparitions. And until then, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, and God bless you. Thank you, everybody. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, 
prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.